You think you've got issues? Hi, I'm Dr. Laurie Appel. Welcome to my podcast, where we'll be talking about a variety of mental health issues, because, you know, we've all got issues. So today, as promised, I'm going to be talking about communication between couples. My last podcast, we talked about trying to form a relationship with someone. And today, we're going to be talking about how to keep that relationship with effective communication, because effective communication is really the key to a successful relationship. Actually, it's really the key to success in life. It's an essential skill for both our professional and our personal lives. It has the power to destroy or build relationships and has an impact on every interaction we have. However, as much as the ability to communicate is a foundational life skill, for many of us, it's not a natural skill. While some of us have the capacity to connect and build rapport with others easily, others really need to learn this skill. And even for those of us who are natural-born communicators, there are still things that get us stuck in our attempts to communicate, especially around differences with their partners. And if you found a good partner, you want to keep that relationship. And to do that, you need to communicate effectively as a couple. And people have all sorts of different communication styles. This style is usually developed pretty early, both due to our family or cultural style of communicating and also due to our basic temperament. For instance, some of us are born more quiet than others, more quiet and reserved, and others are very comfortable expressing a wide range of emotions. Some of us are very direct communicators, and some of us kind of beat around the bush. People can be detail-oriented or storytellers. Storytellers, kind of like they'll begin with, so you'll never guess what happened to me today. I was on my way to blah, 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 and they'll lead you through the whole story detail by detail, while others are more headliners. They give you the main idea, I got into a huge fight with the Comcast people today, and then allow you to ask for more details. Also, our family of origin can dictate the sort of communication style we possess. So some families are pretty comfortable with direct conflict, and others are more avoidant of conflict. So for instance, my family, we are very direct expressors, and we're interrupters. We talk over each other, and we're pretty vocal about expressing our opinions. Luckily for me, my husband's family is the same way, so we both tend to feel pretty comfortable in the expressing oneself zone. And on top of the family culture, your own particular role in your family makes a difference. Were you the peacemaker in your family, the quiet one, the one who expressed yourself more openly? Whatever that style is, that's going to persist. Regardless of these factors, whatever style you are and whatever style your partner may be, and even if those two are very different, you can absolutely learn to communicate effectively with each other. Now, in order to communicate effectively with your partner, you need to work on both sides of the process of communication. That is the relaying of information and also the receiving of information. So if we think of the first part of communication as being the effective relay of information, then we need to kind of break that down because there are a lot of pitfalls that occur in relaying of information. The very first part of the communication, relaying of communication, is a nonverbal one, your body language. 
So you need to think about what message your body language is relaying to your partner. Are you in a defensive posture? Do you look angry and ready for battle? Because when you do this, you're already establishing a combative dialogue. So however you're feeling, the first step is to try to keep relaxed when approaching a discussion with your partner. The other problem or the second problem that we run into when we're trying to work on that relaying of information is that we often don't really communicate what we want or what we need clearly. This is caused because we often expect our partner to read our minds or interpret vague or indirect things. And really, this is an impossible task. You and your partner do not share all the same feelings or thoughts. For instance, you might notice that there are dishes in the sink or that the floor is dirty, but he might not. So when in doubt, just say it, even if it means that there is going to be a potential conflict. Because if you don't, you're going to build resentment. And really, if you're both averse to conflict, chances are that over time, all sorts of emotions are going to be suppressed in order to avoid conflict and risk losing the relationship. And while this may keep peace in the short term, it's ultimately going to lead to resentment, unhappiness, and bitterness. Because if we don't say what we feel and what we need, we're going to walk around with unspoken expectations. Unspoken expectations that ultimately lead to disappointments. And we're also going to walk around with unspoken feelings. And these unspoken feelings weigh us down and lead to resentments and bitterness. Don't be so afraid to argue. In fact, not ever arguing is not really something to brag about because if you aren't arguing, I guarantee you're not really communicating honestly. Because let's face it, it ain't easy to live together, to pay bills together, to run a house, to negotiate chores, to agree on budgets, to raise children, and all that kind of stuff without disagreeing. So if couples do not have any arguments, then they're not communicating. All right, so now let's assume that you've worked up the courage necessary to communicate something difficult to your partner. How do you begin this conversation? Well, I suggest that you try to start with a positive message rather than a full frontal attack. For example, let your partner know that you really value your relationship and want to improve it. That's far better than starting with, I can't stand this anymore. Also, express your needs directly using I language rather than accusatory language. For example, I feel overwhelmed at home is much better than you're a selfish, selfish and lazy SOB. Focus on the problem, not the person. This goes a long way to reduce defensiveness in the other person. The problem is really that you need more help. So avoid suggesting that the problem is that your partner has some character flaw. And if there is something that you want or need, be really clear and specific. For example, it would really help if you could do the vacuuming every Saturday. Rather than, I need more help around here. Because if you're vague about what you want, you're going to have unspoken expectations. You're thinking, I said I'm worried about money. So, of course, she's going to interpret this as a need to reduce her spending and cut back. But this is an implicit expectation, which, as I said before, only leads to disappointment. 
So be clear about what you expect and what you want. Also, open the door for mutual vulnerability. Don't be hesitant to admit your own shortcomings. We all have them, and it only puts other people on edge to come across as infallible. This also really helps you to have a dialogue rather than approaching a discussion with a position. For example, how would communication go if you began with, I know I tend to be a little bit of a tightwad, but I really want to have a good holiday this year. So let's talk about how much money we want to spend this Christmas so we're both on the same page. That's a much better approach. Indira Gandhi once said, you can't shake hands with a clenched fist. So when communicating your message, try to approach it in a vulnerable way, but a direct way, and approach it as a dialogue rather than avoiding it or taking a very belligerent position stance. All right, let's fast forward a little bit. We've made our point. We've relayed and communicated our message directly and clearly using eye language and in a a dialogue rather than a combative position. So now here's the final step, and this is really important. Stop talking. Give up the floor. Because after a couple of minutes, I guarantee that the person that you're communicating with is becoming restless, distracted, and impatient. Express yourself concisely. A big pitfall that people make in communicating is assuming that more communication is the solution. More is not always better. No one needs a hundred examples or analogies of your point. I've been in so many sessions with families or couples where one partner goes on and on and on about their point, and I can see how that person's partner just starts to get angrier and lose interest. This especially happens when I see parents and their teenage kids, because we all know how we love to lecture ad nauseum at our teenagers, and no one likes to be lectured to. I mean, unless you're choosing to do so, like listening to this podcast. But when this happens, when someone goes on and on, couples devolve into what psychology today calls the woodpecker syndrome. This is where one person fixates on their feelings and keeps going on and on about it, while the other partner just keeps withdrawing defensively. So in sum, make your point and then give up the floor. All right, so you're on point. You've given up the floor, and now you're on the other side of things, receiving a communication, the second part of the communication process. And there are pitfalls here as well. The biggest problems that I see on this side of communication are misinterpretation, defensiveness, and overreaction. So let's talk about misinterpretation. Misinterpretation is a powerful influence on how we receive a message. The psychological basis for misinterpretation is our, well, many things, our own unique sensitivities, so kind of hot button issues for us. How we may be feeling at the moment, you know, are we tired? Are we crabby? Do we have a bad day at work? And also the history of our relationship with that person, kind of how we've become habituated to communicate with that person. Now, one way to avoid misinterpretations is to simply start asking questions. Ask for clarification if you don't understand, or you'll find yourself misinterpreting. Don Miguel Ruiz has a wonderful book called The Four Agreements, and he talks about the pitfalls of making assumptions, 
his whole book is about outlining agreements that you make with yourself that will help you overcome the barriers to a more joyous life. The second of these four agreements is don't make assumptions. By asking and clarifying, we avoid misunderstandings, sadness, and drama. The second problem that we have with receiving information or communication is defensiveness. So when we're defensive, and defensiveness is usually related to our own insecurities, makes us very sensitive to our flaws or very sensitive and rejecting of any perceived criticism, we have trouble listening. Why? Because instead of listening, we're already arguing mentally with the other person. We're preparing to launch our defense and our counterattack. Defensiveness also present, prevents us from empathizing with what the other person is feeling because defensiveness is a very self-centered behavior. It's focused on us. But when we stop being defensive, we can begin to put ourselves in the other person's place and we can see where they're coming from. We can stop focusing on us and we can notice how something is being said and we can pick up on our partner's feelings of frustration or worry or insecurity. We can still bring up our feelings, but without escalating the situation. Also, if someone does confront us with something that we've done to hurt them or ways in which we've perhaps been neglectful of the relationship, here's another thing that we can do. We can apologize. We can admit that we were wrong. So if you're wrong, admit it gracefully. Don't make a big deal about it. We're all wrong at many points in our lives. Clients often say to me that they won't or they they didn't apologize because either I didn't mean it or they were wrong too or I tried my best. But I really think that the resistance to apologizing has a lot more to do with pride and fear. Because whether intended or not, and whether the other person had some responsibility for what happened, whether even if you acted in your best conscious, the reality is, if you hurt someone, then what is the harm in saying, I'm sorry? I'm sorry can go a long way toward healing a bruised ego or a broken heart or a hurt feeling. And despite our fears that admitting our mistakes or flaws will somehow make us more vulnerable to the other person or, or will somehow reveal us as failures, actually saying you're sorry and empathizing with the other person's pain goes a long way toward improving relationships. And it also allows the other person to admit their vulnerabilities too. Then we can begin to really communicate. Now, the third thing that often gets in the way of receiving communication accurately or receiving communication well is our own overreactions. And overreactions are often due to our own fears, worry, or anger getting in charge and in control of the situation. Sometimes we literally get flooded with strong emotions, possibly because a current event brings back old negative emotional energy. Like something that's being said to us brings us back to being a child criticized by an overly perfectionistic parent. And if there's a memory attached to something that we're hearing, you're probably going to explode not just about what your partner is saying in the present, but also about the history of a similar situation. Or the other possibility or reason that we're overreacting is is that we have our own built-up unexpressed emotions toward our partner. 
especially resentment, that might cause us to launch into a counterattack. But as I said before, this is why we shouldn't let resentments or feelings build up. Because when we overreact to what a person is saying to us, the person rarely sees any legitimate point or counter response that you might have because all they hear is the overreaction. The message that you're then trying to convey in response becomes lost in the emotional volume of your response. So how do we overcome these strong emotional overreactions? The best thing that I can tell you to do is to slow down. Don't respond right away or don't react right away because you want to respond and not react. Assess your feelings at the moment. Are you feeling hurt or overwhelmed or frustrated? And think about what those feelings might be reminding you of that's occurred in your past. Also assess your general emotional state. Are you tired, in just a general defensive position, frustrated, etc.? And decide whether you're bringing those feelings into the mix. Now, once you've processed these things, and really this just takes a few seconds, your emotions may naturally reduce in intensity just by going through this cognitive process. And when this happens, you can respond but not overreact to what your partner is saying. And this will allow the other person to hear your response and not just your emotions. So in this podcast, we really talked about two sides of the communication process the relaying of information, and the receiving of information. And we've talked about the various pitfalls that can occur that interfere with constructive communication and dialogue. I hope that this was helpful to you. However, if you find that you and your partner are not communicating effectively and that each discussion leads to a pattern of ever-diminishing returns in which nothing gets resolved and even the mention of let's talk makes both partners wary, avoidant, or combative, then it's time to seek professional help. And I suggest that you do this early, before the communication patterns, and then the relationship deteriorates completely. So folks, that wraps it up for today's podcast. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Dr. Laurie, and I'll see you next podcast. is a licensed psychologist in New Jersey and Pennsylvania. Her license and practice information is available on her website, lauriapellpsyd.com. All information provided on Dr. Laurie's podcast is solely for educational and informational purposes and is not meant to serve as psychological counseling. If you have personal issues you would like to explore, please contact a licensed mental health professional in your state.